Welcome to On Your Own Terms. I'm Patty Talbot, and this is the place where we learn together what it takes to change the world on our own terms and in our own special way. Today, I'm honored to have with me former school board member in Montgomery County, Virginia, here in the United States, where I live, Gunan Karan. Gunan has been someone I've been following for quite some time, even though I did not know her at all until quite recently, because she's been on the school board in our county here close to my home for the last eight years. But it was after I left the school division that she started that level of her service. And I've invited her today to share her homegrown solutions for a patchwork world, her own changemaker journey, because I was recently inspired by something that she did. She wrote a beautiful letter to the editor speaking up for public education. Even though she's no longer on the board, she remains quite active in our community, supporting important work, important things that she believes in, in her own special way. I've invited her today to tell us her own changemaker story specifically to encourage us all in the area of civic engagement. So I'm so grateful to have you with us today, Gunan, and I'm eager for our audience to hear your story as a changemaker. Welcome, Gunan Karan. Thank you so much. This is a wonderful opportunity, and I'm Really honored to be part of your program. I've been following it on and on. I am born and raised in Ankara, Turkey. My father was an architect uh, and my mother was a homemaker, even though she did work time to time. Education was very important. I think reading and writing and researching really instilled by my father. I learned English in elementary school and I learned French in middle and high school. Transferring from elementary to middle, I had to go to one year of prep school so that I will be ready for the French speaking um, middle and high. And then turned out to be at the end, the college that I wanted to attend was all in, in English. So I had another prep school so that I can this time uh, transfer from the French to English again, back, back, back to the original language. I attended private schools, elementary, middle and high, but a very well respected public university for the area called Middle East Technical University and serves a lot of countries in the Middle East as well. So we had a lot of international students attending. My thoughts were always wanted to be an architect initially because that's what my father was. And uh, till the last minute, I think he thought I was gonna be an architect, but somehow my chemistry high school teacher, you know, changed my mind because I was really good at his class and he thought I should be a chemical and, engineer. And, In fact, and, chemistry and chemical engineering are not the same things, but I didn't know that. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, my first choice is back in Turkey, we have, and still they have, general entry examination. Used to be a one step, now it's actually even difficult. It is two steps. So I put my first choice, chemical engineering and the architect probably choice number 10 suddenly on the list. And then I got my first choice. Uh, so I did both my uh, bachelor and master's at that university and studied chemical engineering. Uh, so when I was about to finish my master and how it happens is you stay in your 
college and then at the same time you do teach tutorials for the students and grade some material for your professors so you actually work so there is a salary associated i also wanted to pursue phd so because some of my earlier colleagues and friends you know went to us for phd but i was also well sheltered and i lived in the house till i was 26 my mother mostly didn't really let me go anywhere i mean i hardly went with the friends parties and trips and actually the graduating year before my bachelor's we had to have one trip that we have to go to an industrial site before we graduate. So that was even a, a tough, well, I had to because that was part of the graduation deal. So she didn't have much choice, but if she had her way, probably I wouldn't be able to go that too. So, you know, that was my circumstances and I had brother, but he is 13 years younger than I am. So, you know, raised pretty much by ourselves uh, in, a, in a silo. But in the meantime, you know, my husband back at University of Maine at that time, and he was the graduate coordinator for University of Maine. He, so he came to my college because he wanted to visit uh, one of his colleagues from his college years and also wanted to interview a couple graduate student candidates for possible PhD programs. So of course, without knowing that he's going to be my husband, I attended that uh, group of meetings and I got all the brochures and I didn't know where University of Maine is and I didn't know where Orono. In fact, I couldn't find it on on my maps in Turkey where the Orono is. Things worked out the way they worked out. I got admitted to University of Maine, but then relationship build and ending up, I got married as well. So I arrived US uh, as a student and also as a wife, first time leaving the house, first time leaving the family, and also leaving a city of 3 million to arrive at town for 8,000 and the 10,000 students and 8,000 folks. So that was a quite a, quite a change. But because I was in the program, uh, very busy with the PhD program, again, my passion is really reading, writing, learning. So it was just very natural way of adapting this very small town. And life was very easy. At the end of a couple of years, you really know everyone with the first name basis. You can walk everywhere. In the meantime, start having family too. So I was most part pregnant with our first uh, child, our son. And then things were getting a little difficult too along the way. And so I continued the program for years and did all the coursework, but by that time, I was pregnant with the second one, and I decided, and being in the same field, both of us, and he was ahead of me, and the town was too small to have both of us and the faculty in just the same time, and no industry for me to really work, and I always wanted to raise family and have kids, so I said, okay, I think it's time to give a break, so I left the program, you know, with the thought that at that time I can come back. But of course, in the meantime, I got really involved in the community. And then, of course, our son became a kindergarten age. So that's where my public education in the U.S. eye-opening came into picture. I started going to his classes, volunteering, and I realized how big a spectrum is in a classroom, how 
big the changes are, how hard the teacher's job to accommodate and uh, meet all the students where they are. So it was quite an eye opener. And then I decided, okay, I gotta help them as much as I can. So initially it was a room parent doing the parties and cutting and pasting and photocopying. Then I started doing the PTAs and PTOs and some on-site search committees. And they were thinking about full day kindergarten. So I was on the committee at that time. The kindergarten was half day back then. And then there was like a a multi-age classroom rotating the same teacher, first and second grade. And then school improvement committee forums. I was on that. So I was really, really involved for the first seven years or so when we were in Maine, because I was actually very shy. I mean, I learned the language, but speaking the language, not the same, I mean, as the reading the books in that language. First couple of years, I was not talking, just shaking my head. I mean, I, of course, understand, <laughs> but so I was not as brave, as chatty as I am right now. But the, being involved in the community, the public library, we spent so much time with the kids, with all the stories times and things like that and also being in school opened me up the year 2000 we moved to Blacksburg kids were in two schools and then at one point in three schools so I cover all the PTAs and PTOs at one time I think I was president in two and secretary on one so except I think treasurer position I don't like to deal with money I did all the position possible I did fundraising I was a band chaperone I was a secretary in all three and then the president and all three at one point the youngest one was senior I was thinking about hmm at that time I was friend with Phyllis Alberton and I realized she is considering not to not to running again. So I said, hmm, maybe this is the ultimate goal for my involvement. Now I don't have anybody in the school. I won't worry about so much conflict of interest or doing things for my own kid, but I will be still very close. So that's how I ran. And then um and then of course I did the second term. And I'm very thankful for that uh involvement. It was interesting because I only knew three Blacksburg schools out of 20. So again, it was a big eye-opener how diverse the county is, how diverse the communities and how their needs are different, sizes are different. So it was so my first thing was like, I got to learn all those. So I make the priority beginning of the school year to visit all the schools Otherwise, you won't know. While you're making the decision, you won't know where they're coming from. But it's just the communities are different. Sizes are different. And the needs are different. Farmland and university town. When I was growing up, there was not much diversity per se. I mean, it's all the same uh, language speaking, all white individuals, even though there were different dialects in the different parts of the country, but I really didn't travel much within the country. I grew up in the Ankara, which is the capital city, and then I traveled a little bit to Istanbul. It is a little more uh, diverse and cosmopolitan because of the size and because of the tourist attraction place. And then I had some summer vacations because my grandparents were there in the coastal town of Izmir by the water. Obviously, Ankara was uh, far away from water, so this was a summer place. But I really didn't know what diversity is back then. And then, of course, move forward, we came to Orona, Maine 35 years ago. 
that place was very, very non-diverse also. It was very white and just a very small town and very actually conservative small town. In a so sense. it wasn't a diverse place either. And the school system wasn't inclusive either. So I really didn't see that diversity, like a special education inclusion, different color of skin, and everybody is pretty much similar. Even though it was a university town at that time, we were the only people from Turkey, there were no other Turkish students. Of course, then, you know, move forward coming this area. I think I learned diversity then, not just in, you know, Blacksburg being the college town and diversity that way, but also school system, the communities being different. And then, of course, having this special education and inclusiveness in school, that was an, uh, that was an eye-opener too. It made me a better person because now I am very good at listening and seeing and putting myself into their shoes and what their needs to be. And I don't think I would have done that otherwise. And also in a conversations for the leadership style, I am always non-combative, not aggressive. I always like to listen and put myself into other people's shoes. Definitely will think more than once, twice, three times before I after a word. That's why my initial year or two probably on the board was all listening. It would have been interesting to see my change in actually participating the year I was on the board versus like the year I left. Number one, of course, you learn how things works. So you get comfortable with that. But also the other thing is just I was like observing and listening and learning without jumping and judging. So definitely hearing everybody's voices that's the fabric of the society that's why i am also very in support of public education because you can protect your child for different reasons maybe they can't do in a classroom setting or maybe religious reason this or that but at the end you cannot protect them forever and they have to be in the society and functioning citizens of the society and public schools just in a small scale, that's what they do. I think the text toward public schools comes from the mostly that too, not because we don't do well with the read and writing and math, but because we have to deal with all the societal stuff and then expectations, schools have to take care of all the societal stuff. Like, I mean, you have to be childcare center you, you have to have the internet provider and you have to feed the kids too and you have to transport the kids too. So everything is expected that teachers have to or the school system have to do. In fact, actually, society has to help those out on the other side. Pandemic was the way big eye-opener in that, wow, now kids don't have internet in school, how they're going to learn online, or wow, now they're hungry, what are we going to do? They don't have food, oh, now they don't have transportation here and there, or we don't know what they do. Uh, students are coming to school carrying so many baggages, we don't know whether they had a house to sleep in, or whether they had breakfast that morning or whether they've been abused or whether they saw something they shouldn't be seeing or so many things that I learned about those adverse childhood effects when I saw the spectrum and I mentioned that it was a wide spectrum of needs in the classroom of 15 and 20 
my initial observation was, oh, they don't read in the same level or they don't write in the same level. And, you know, some is a little slower, some is a little higher. But then I learned that, wow, they are different because not just in the reading writing, but because they're hungry or so this and that. So much know, support, um, I think needed in, in the school system, not because just, a, you know, having a teacher to teach and read and write. And if they don't get to that, of course, we just test them with SOLs and decide on that. I think just the providing uh, extra support for mental health, for all the other needs that actually, I believe, society has to take care of, not to expect from public education. beings are pretty easy to judge when we don't like some we will just tell our opinion we don't like x y and z but then if you want that to be different then you have to make an effort to change that x y and z because otherwise criticizing doesn't help after the facts we always talk about negatively at the outcome of the elections when we don't like the results but if you haven't participated in the election, you know, then you have to zip and don't say anything because you did not do your job to change it. And if, even if it's just a one vote, it has proven that, especially nowadays, very few number of votes makes a huge difference. I mean, you can extrapolate that for everything. If you see something, it's not right. If you don't speak, nobody will know, number one, what you think. And then also the others may not know because they may not see the other side. So they will believe what they think is right unless you taught them the, what is the other option, whether it's right or wrong. Talking to supervisor, talking to school board members. Again, you know, my personality is not being in the microphone. I get nervous. I told this to people for eight years. The last couple of years, I, I had less butterflies in my stomach than first six years. Probably writing comes a little more natural to me. Effects, effects of, of these things trickles down because I put off my letter to editor on Facebook, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So on the LinkedIn, I heard from a board member from Arlington, which we were on the board when I was Blue Ridge representative on the Virginia School Board Association. So she was also representative of her region. And she is also the chair of Arlington City Schools. And of course, at that time, I was chair too. So, so she put uh, on a LinkedIn, this is wonderful. I'm going to tweet this and share this with my circle. And here it is, what I did in a little this area in Roanoke, now it's being shared in Northern Virginia in Arlington. So that's how a ripple effects happens. Like, wow. You know, now you it know, goes around the Arlington area, maybe somebody else that she knows will share it too. So as a personality that is not actually very aggressive or confrontational, I'm not going to go and protest, pick signs to go and defend something, but still, still you can make a difference whichever way you're comfortable with. And I think I found it at the writing, I can do that. And realizing actually can be pretty effective too. If you don't see you... something the way it's supposed to be, you gotta go after so, it. You know, I definitely yeah. believe in research and in continuing education. And I think we all have to 
keep learning and keep reading. And now, of course, with maybe because of COVID or because of the political climate, I find myself more like I need to write the Roanoke Times and straighten things up. <laughs> so, or ready to defend public education. I guess now that's what I'm finding myself. I need to be advocating and defending. So that's where I am. Now the final exciting thought is maybe writing a book that could be either for direct newly elected school board members, what to do, what not to do, my experience in general in public education and starting as an immigrant and now being in the system for 35 years, I think what I learned and how important public education is, cornerstone of the democracy, but also K-12 is such a baseline for everything. I mean, what we do in the future starts with learning how to read and write. I mean, even if you're an artist, you still have to read and write. If you're a scientist, you still have to read and write. I mean, those basic skills and the skills to communicate and take turns and listen. It all starts in elementary and afterward. And also I realized along the lines that not everybody knows about public education. So I always say, I think I have to educate public on public education. So that I think has to be my goal because a lot of people, whether they have their kids in the school system or not, they don't necessarily follow unless there's a really one hot topic that they have to be against. So before that all that happens, it will be nice if they have some kind of a knowledge that this school system, like for MCPS, it's a, like a 10,000 students we're dealing with, 2,000 employee we are dealing with. It's a, it's a big system. We have 20 buildings. And it's amazing how many people actually don't know that, you know, and I can see that happening too, because I didn't know either. For me, number one, I didn't even know Montgomery County exists in the sense that I had Blacksburg zip code and my kids went to Blacksburg schools. So I thought, that's it. <laughs> so know that, you know, you're under the umbrella of Montgomery County and, you know, public has to, has to be educated. So I think I see my job is, I don't know which form it will evolve at the end, but my job is continue to educate wherever I go. And of course, you know, say that our school system is still one of the best. <laughs> so while all the um, negatives are thrown, you know, your way, try to try to defend our teachers and uh, educate regarding our schools. So. Thank you, Gunan. I am again inspired and moved by your work and your way of being in the world. You've been a gentle voice, but a powerful voice for public education for years, ever since your own children started to school. And you continue to be now, even though they are grown and you're no longer a board member. In fact, what inspired me to invite you today is something that I've shared with you that I want to tell the audience about. Your letter to the editor really got me thinking about my own role since I no longer work for the public school division or the university close by. But I thought, if Gunan is still speaking up for public education and writing letters to the editor and telling people what she thinks and what she's learned through her years working on behalf of public education, what kind of change maker would I be if I didn't do the same? 
And a call came out a few weeks ago for folks to come and speak to the Board of Supervisors in our local county. And that is something that makes me quake in my boots getting up in front of a board like that. But because of your letter, I could be silent no longer. And I worked on my own comments to share with the Board of Supervisors this week. And I could feel your hand on my shoulder as I got up in front of that board and told them what I thought about the importance of keeping public monies in public education and all of the reasons why. Your message really inspires me to want to be more engaged civically in my own community because as everyone here knows, my work is about cultivating homegrown change makers, and that means starting from where we are. Your model has given us a perfect example of the change maker journey framework that you know is all about homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. And I also often frame it as being, doing, connecting, and reflecting by sharing your story of your homegrown beingness from Turkey to the United States to raising your own family and getting a perspective on public education that led you into some very active doingness, first as a volunteer and then as a very active PTA officer and leader in our community. And you didn't shy away when the opportunity came to you for public service on our school board and even chairing that board for a number of years. You spoke so beautifully to your connectedness and all that you learned about the diversity across our school division, but also the strength of that diversity and how raising our diverse voices by connecting generously with people different from ourselves allows us to get new perspectives that we need when we're trying to make good decisions for everyone in this democratic society. And your reflectiveness is modeled, I hope you see, in the way that you have given a powerful example of how to stand up and use your voice or your pen to say something that you believe in. And I really think your emphasis on research and gathering your information and your facts behind you before you speak is something that we could all uh, use as a positive example in today's society when so many of us are just spewing off from the top of our heads and creating opinions based on what we hear without the actual data behind us. And you've been a powerful example of reflecting out into the world how to both use your voice, but make sure that it's an informed perspective. Your example, I hope you see rippled out to me. And I'm hoping that by using your example, people will also feel inspired to take action in their own communities, in their own way. Thank you for being with us today, Gunan. Wherever you're tuning in from around the world, we welcome you on Fridays. You can see Gunan's example of her letter to the editor here in case you're looking for a model for how to get started if you have an issue in your own community that you would like to address. And I'd also like to celebrate something else that I read just this morning that Gunan is active in. She's a big supporter of something in our community called ACE, which is Access to Community College Education. 
You may have something similar in your own community that supports people in continuing their education past high school and into higher education through your local community college system. Our local Dialogue on Race has been active in getting the ACE program in our community. And through fundraising efforts and community support, we've made it possible in this community to make sure that every student that qualifies, and to qualify, they just have to have an, a reasonable GPA, can actually attend two years of community college tuition free. They do have to apply, but everyone that applies that's from our community and has the appropriate GPA and is willing to do the associated community service work can have their community college education paid for. It's a wonderful initiative that also partners with our local law enforcement because one of the things that we've learned through our law enforcement initiatives and things that have been happening around the world and especially in the United States recently is how important it is for law enforcement to reflect the community in which people serve. And so ACE program is one of the ways that our community has tried to address that issue and that need. Now, people going into the ACE program do not have to go into law enforcement, but our law enforcement program is a big supporter of the ACE program. Until next time, may you be grounded in your beingness, guided in your own doingness, generous in your connectedness, and inspired in your reflectiveness, so you can change the world on your own terms. I'm Patty Talbot. I'm always learning, and I know you are too.